This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of four, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. Uh, this is episode 54. We'll be talking to Shyla Henderson about raising a mega family. So Shyla is a listener to Best of Both Worlds podcast and wrote to us about her 10 children um, that she has built this large family and has also been working while she's been doing that over the time. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, so we're recording this in July, but it is airing in mid-August, which is around the time that Sarah's kids actually go back to school, crazy enough. Is that the case? Yep. When this airs, they will be starting school in six days. And where I work, that county, um, one district north, will have already started. So, wow. That is just a little bit mind-blowing. Our summer seems shorter. It's actually the same length as yours, but I do <laughs> kind of wish we <laughs> finished a little bit later. Yeah. We... um have we start after labor day uh which we we went through mid-june i mean our last day was something like june 15 so it's it's not like we um yeah have a different length of summer or anything but i I like the starting after labor day it makes august feel like this whole actual month of vacation even though we're not actually off the whole time and um having to be able to go through labor day um is 
nice for having a September date as a vacation date on the calendar. I, I just you know, enjoy I, that. I actually think I remember when I was growing up and I grew up near where you live now, we, there was like, it would vacillate between before and after. And then eventually there was something about like the economy of the shore really, I don't know, like it was political because they wanted people to be able to take family vacations during that time. And I don't know, maybe the Jersey Shore lobby pushed, <laughs> for, shore lobby, yes. <laughs> pushed for everyone to come after Labor Day because I think it actually was both ways, but it, well, it's true. I, you know, it's funny with the Jersey Shore thing and, and lobbying to extend the city because I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. Back in the day, the Miss America pageant used to be in Atlantic, Atlantic City, City on the yes. Jersey Shore. And it was always held the weekend after... Um, oh, sorry, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> we just had a, a quick... Uh, Wow, this never happens on our podcast. I think we should leave that in. We should leave that in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that was my three-year-old. But uh, the, uh, the Jersey Shore people wanted it the weekend after Labor Day because that would extend the shore season. Like people would stick around for the Miss America pageant into September 10, right? Would be roughly. Ah. So yeah, that was a one. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a lobby that extended the area. Maybe like a mob thing. I don't know. <laughs> it could be a mob thing. But <laughs> it's funny because like I was in the parking lot on Sunday morning in our local um, so, so we're recording this in July. And so it was the weekend after July 4th and it was like empty. And one of the uh, people who worked at the supermarket was just like, yeah, everyone's at the shore this weekend. I'm like, yeah, that's probably actually true. Like Philadelphia kind of empties into New Jersey over, over those long weekends. So, and I love the Jersey shore. This was, this is full of love. I have fond memories of Avalon and Cape May and you guys go there too. Sometimes we, we sometimes go to Cape May. Yeah. We, we've gone more to ocean Grove, um, which is on the Northern side of it. It's just South of Asbury park um, for any of our listeners who know where that is. Um, and ocean Grove is like this cute little Victorian town. Um, that is, you know, really, <laughs> uh, we, we like it. We've been going there for years. So that's, that's our place. Cool. Well, we digressed a lot. I was just going to mention though, that, um, you remember how I talked all about that, like back to school box thing and how I was so sad that we didn't have that. Remember last yes, year? I remember that. I remember well, that. that was we have it now. We have and it. I ordered yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, so now yeah, I don't have to do anything and she'll have everything already. So all I have to do to get ready for school is like get her a backpack and a lunchbox. And my son's going to the same school as last year. So I'm excited to have this be easier than it was. That sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. I, I don't think we have that and I need to look into it because that would be Although the kids come sometimes like going and picking out their own stuff. So if once the kids get a little bit older, there's more of this like, but I want this, you know, binder. Well, I may let her buy a little front or whatever. <laughs> I can, I, I can give her some, I mean, as someone who is like a stationary hoarder, I, I would be really hypocritical if I didn't let her get anything, but this way I can just let her get some fun stuff and all the sort of checkbox stuff is taken care of. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, here we go back into the, into the main segment here. Well, we are really excited to welcome Shyla Henderson to the program. So Shyla has been spent the past 30 some years raising a mega family, 10 children, um, both biological and adopted. And she's going to talk about that. Um, but she's also been working the whole time, which is, uh, you know, something you don't read a whole lot about in the mega family literature, uh, that moms were also juggling careers with raising um, that larger family. So Shyla, thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure. So tell us a little bit about your family situation, your your kids, your spouse, all that. Well, I have 10 kids. Um, the oldest is 35 and the youngest is 13. 
five are biological and five are adopted. And then I have been married for 37 years. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's a lot of years. <laughs> yes, and yeah. And, and so you adopted some of the children at older ages, right? Yes. Uh, they were, they came into your family at different points. Yeah. Uh, the last three. Sort of after the last three. And, and then the other two were interspersed with the um, biological kids. Sort of what was the order with that? Right. So we had four biological kids. And then my husband was like, okay, we're done. <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't think so. Um, and then we adopted two as babies from Korea in separate adoptions. And then we had another one. <laughs> and um, then there was a gap of five years and we adopted a five-year-old from Vietnam. And then uh, I think about four years later, five years later, we adopted two more girls from China. And had you been interested in international adoption for a long time or what, what sort of inspired that um, move for building your family? Well, when I grew up, I babysat for our pastor and they had adopted several children. Um, both domestically and internationally. And we did look at domestic adoption when um, we first started thinking about adoption. And just for a variety of different reasons, we ended up adopting internationally. And we had a lot of good friends that had also adopted internationally. Yeah. And so along the way, you've also um, been, been working this whole time. So tell us about your career journey. Yeah. So I haven't been working the entire time. There have been years where when we added a new baby, um, I would, there were years where I didn't work at all. There were some years, my husband was in the military the first 12 years of our marriage. And so there were times where I would know we're only going to be at a place for a year and a half or something. And I didn't work during those times or I worked like as a home daycare provider. So I would just have like one child I was watching. Um, and so it has been kind of this career of working part-time for the most part. Right now I have two different part-time jobs that I do um, that are very different and yet the same. What are your part-time jobs currently? So I work... Um, for our state in their foster and adoptive care, placing children in foster and adoptive families. And that's one half time. And then the other half, I work as a therapist specializing in attachment and adoption. So I'm sure you have a lot of expertise on this, having <laughs> gone through it yourself uh, and, and can have a, a great perspective for your, your clients with that too. So, I mean, you know, a lot of people listening to this have probably around two kids, the average. Um, and so, so you hear, you know, a family with, with 10 children and um, it sounds like it must have been, you know, chaotic, but, but was it? I mean, tell us like, what was, what was it like? People always imagine that it was chaotic and maybe if they would have come into my home, they would have thought that. <laughs> but from my perspective, it was usually organized chaos, I guess you could say. My husband is a pretty organized person and I am not, but I have worked very hard to become very organized. And I think with a big family, you absolutely have to. And so um, it really wasn't chaos at all. It was busy, I would say. And, and what is that sort of, you know, 
walk us through kind of what busy means in a house with like you have like six activities on one day I mean are the older ones able to take care of the younger ones like how how did that work out there were times where we had like multiple all of our kids have been in sports and activities and we feel like that's just a really crucial part of of growing up so yeah there were times obviously where we could not be at four different ballparks at the same time and luckily we live in a community where people were able to give rides or coaches and then we would you know return the favor but i think definitely using our older kids in a good way because we never forced them to do it we did pay them to do it and i think responsibility is really good for kids really often i think that was my fantasy about all of it that you were going to leverage the older ones and that it became sort of a part-time job for them extra connection time with their siblings and super helpful so that's cool that you actually the fantasy can come true <laughs> yeah worked. we would actually yeah. pay them you, more if they went the extra mile and like would play a game with the kids or help them with their homework and the younger kids also got paid a small amount if they made it easier for the older kids to watch them. So, you know, there were <laughs> <Dual> <laughs> lots of incentives there for everyone to make it work. Yeah, that is awesome. Great. And I love some of these notes you sent us. And um, you, you love finding ways to spend one-on-one time with your kids. So talk about the different ways you've managed to spend one-on-one time with, with your kids. Um. I really do feel like there's such a stigma in big families that the kids are not going to get enough attention. Um, And that can be true for sure. So all along, I think I've really made it a priority to spend one-on-one time with my kids. And that can be traveling with my kids. Just one or often we'll take two kids on a trip, Um, even to go back East to see their brother and his family or If my husband has a business trip, we might tag along and take two of the kids. Um, But even it's just doing, like right now, my son and I, my son who's 16, we are going all around Portland this summer trying to find the ultimate donut shop. And quite frankly, I don't even like donuts that much, but he does. (laughs) And so it's been just kind of this fun. And then when we're in the car, I, I don't like to have a lot of noise in the car. Um, I'm an introvert, which is kind of funny because I have 10 kids, like who would have thought, but we, I'll turn the radio off and just talk to him. I try to think of like things to talk about. It doesn't come naturally necessarily, but like this week we've been talking about the soccer players that were rescued in Thailand and what that would be like. And just really trying to be intentional, I guess, is the word that I would want to come up with. Yeah. And, and I'm sure you've got a lot of sort of big family hacks that have that have come out of you know sheer necessity. I once did a story years ago um, where I interviewed a bunch of mega families, and they all had a system with socks in the laundry. So I'm very curious: do you have do you have a system I, for your socks? Of course, in the I do. Absolutely. Which I I wish I knew more big families because I've had to learn a lot of this on my own. But we absolutely had a um, way we would have only white Hanes socks for all the younger kids. It didn't matter if they were boys or girls, two different sizes, and you just buy these big packs of them. And so you don't really even have to sort them. They have a color on the bottom. Um, The only downfall of that method is that we never did find out which child was stuffing their socks into the couch. (laughs) 
That's true. There's no telltale sign of who it, the evidence. No, there's no telltale signs. I know, and it's so the same funny. with like who's not flushing the toilet. You know, nowadays, like there's DNA tests probably for this. Like I could, I could finally find out who wasn't flushing the toilet. But <laughs> so everyone well, with that has- number of kids, it could have been more than one it of them. Been more than one. That's true. So, so you have the white socks for the laundry. So you know, this you just grab what socks you need and the size you need, and and you you don't. Sweater. Other than that, uh, what what else did you come up with in terms of uh, these these ways these systems that made life work? Folding clothes right from the dryer into individual baskets. Uh, went in our old house. We didn't have a laundry room. It was in a pantry, so I just used some of the pantry shelves for like small little baskets, and we would fold right from the dryer into those. Or I would have them when they got to be in middle school. They did their own laundry. And so just folding right in and not having those stacks of laundry that tend to get all over the house or the, the bed. And then you do the laundry dance when you go to bed and remember all those clothes are on your bed. So that's something that has worked quite well. And how about keeping track of shoes and stuff like backpacks to go out the door in the morning? We had like a checkoff list for the kids before they would go to bed at night. I, instead of saying, have you done this and have you done that? I would just say, have you done your checkoff list? And it wasn't a literal checkoff list because I'm not good at like checking on those things. It was posted though on the fridge and they could go look at it. And it was have your backpack by the front door, your shoes and socks by the front door, um, any uh, athletic equipment or anything like that, right where they knew where it was, homework signed, brush your teeth, that kind of thing. But it sounds like a little bit more of that may have been on them, which um, in the end might have actually helped to foster independence out of necessity. I mean, I see that even a tiny bit with three kids. There are certain things I wouldn't have minded doing for my olders, but now that I realize I can't and they can, <laughs> it's so I've been seeing that I can imagine that being incredibly magnified with, with the number that you had at home at once. Right. Which I did you find that you it caused them to be more independent at a younger age or? Yes and no. Um, we. I would say as a whole, had our kids be more dependent when they were little, Um, just things like sleeping through the night and that type of thing. Um, We didn't really expect them to sleep through the night when they were super little. And we practiced attachment parenting. And so they were just with us a lot more. And even when our older adoptees came home, we spent a lot of time kind of taking them back through some of those younger developmental ages and just keeping them close Um, but then when they got older, they definitely had a lot more independence and yeah, I was speaking more about, yeah, like school age. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I feel like that's one thing I've really seen over 35 years of parenting is that kids now do not have nearly as much independence and they don't get the chance to go to the pharmacy and get a refill on their acne medicine or, you know, whatever it may be. And so, yeah, I, I really, I really do think they have had in a positive way, more independence. So how do you sort of do chores around the head? Do you have like lists of chores for each kid to do or um, how do you handle that? Well, on Saturday, we have the magnificent hour of power, which my kids would say it's the dreaded hour of power. <laughs> And so everyone in the household, it didn't matter how old they were, they could be two years old, did an hour of work. And 
I would usually just make a list of what needed done and then one at a time they can pick which one they want to do. And at the end, it's just maybe me assigning who has to do what. And so that's on Saturday. It could be indoor work. It could be outdoor. And then on a day-to-day, they have one regular chore and it rotates, but it could be like emptying the dishwasher or take out the garbage. And then in the summer, they have two chores. Very organized. And um, no, that's amazing. And I guess you could harness a lot of productivity power when you have a team that large. (laughs) Yeah. And you mentioned, I mean, in your notes to us about having, you know, your planner is your life, right? And I'm curious, how much do you need to manage the schedules of everyone? Or is it just like it's on the kids to manage their own schedule? How does does that happen? I I definitely manage the schedule. Um, And they're still learning. Let's put it that way. We have a, so I have a planner. Um, It's a monthly and weekly. It has daily, but I don't really use my daily unless I have like a super busy day. Then I have a a whiteboard in the kitchen that's also a weekly planner. And I'll put on there everything, you know, camps, ballet, whatever, um, appointments and all of that. And my husband is the one that doesn't always read that one. he'll be like, wait, I didn't know we had a soccer game tonight. But the kids are the kids are pretty good about at looking at that and, and seeing what's coming up. And I guess the question that the obvious one here that everyone is, it sounds like 10 children would be rather expensive. Um, so what, was it, I mean, they're not all home now, of course, but uh, has there been ups and downs in terms of how expensive it has been? I mean, uh, how have you managed to sort of economize on all these things? Right. No, that is a very, a very good and a very big question. Uh, and we have kind of been on both ends of the spectrum in terms of where our income has been and how we make it work. And kids just, they don't have to cost as much as a lot of people think, and they can cost a lot, um, especially as teenagers when they get into all the activities and if they get on like a traveling soccer team, something like that. But in the years when I was home more, we actually spent a lot less on things like convenience. And so I work a lot more now, but I also, if they need a pair of cleats, I just go to one store and get them and don't shop around. So quite often, I think if we ask people if we're looking for something or if we borrow something, when they were younger, we did a lot of home activities and not as much airplane travel. We did a lot more car travel. So just all those normal ways of of making it work. It says in your notes that you drove 7,000 miles around the U.S. with seven kids in 2011. What what was that about? That was, I had just finished my master's program. And in the last, so in the last two years of my master's program, I did have to work 20 hours a week in an internship while also going to school full time. When I graduated, I didn't yet have my current job, which I did get at the end of the summer. And so we had this summer free and it was kind of like, wow, like we may never get this chance again to just get in the car and go. And of course, my younger kids thought it would be a great adventure and my teenagers thought it was the worst idea ever. (laughs) But one of the ways I got my teenage son on board was he brought his scooter 
like they would use at a, a skate park. And we went, as we went around the nation, we would hit various skate parks and take photos of him. And so he got to hit a skate park in every state, which, you know, when you're traveling with seven kids in a Honda Pilot and you have to make room for scooters and helmets, um, it was it was quite uh, interesting to figure out how we put all that in. But it ended up being a wonderful, wonderful trip and they have fond memories, which I think sometimes you just have to push past all the angst, you know, in getting to that point where you, you go through and, and have a great time in the end. And we saw a lot of relatives along the way, a lot of relatives and a lot of friends. Yeah. To cut down on the cost with that. But I, I have to stop and say something you just said, uh, you, you were doing a 20 hour a week internship and going to school full time while you also had at least seven kids at home. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So what would a day have looked like for you then? Uh, you know, is that uh, sounds like quite a juggling act. It, it was. Um, and we had just adopted our youngest daughter. My mom helped a lot. Um, my internship wasn't very far from my house, which was a huge blessing. And then my master's program, I had it where I could just go at that point. I was only going one day a week from morning until late at night. And so it was all about like organizing the time. Yeah, making it all fit in. Well, Shyla, this has been fascinating to hear about. I, I like this idea of only doing white socks, and I think I might look into it because <laughs> although I know for sure which child has been putting his socks in the sofa, um, and not that knowing stops it. So um, I'm not sure really that there's any point in knowing it <laughs> because it keeps happening regardless. Um, but yeah, Sarah, did you have any more questions? Or we, uh... No, I just wanted to add, and I realized I was muted, um, oops, uh, <laughs> that she had like three strategies in one in that last comment, which is uh, help from family members if you're able to do that, obviously not. Be Having things be very close together, that seems like a common theme, although it always makes me jealous because I work pretty far from where I live. And finally, doing things in batches and planning. So that was like a trifecta of how she made that uh, crazy schedule work um, during that that time. Awesome. All right. Well, Shyla, thank you so much for joining us. We thank really you. appreciate it. Well, that was fun to learn her large family hacks. So our Q&A in lieu of a Q&A, and actually in lieu of, we were going to do a love of the week. And then we realized we've kind of said what our love of the weeks were in the opener of this episode, that Sarah's love of the week is getting to buy this box of school supplies that's already set together. And my love of the week was starting school after Labor Day. And then we're looking at our notes and we're like, wait, we already said that. So anyway, moving on um, to, and, and also in lieu of a Q&A, we had a couple of weeks ago, we had a question from a listener who wanted to know what she should do before having kids. And this went to this whole digression because, of course, this is my genre of least favorite blog posts. It's like the 30 things to do before having children as if your life is over uh, once you have kids. And so, you know, we, we were like, yeah, take that bucket list trip to New Zealand. But other than that, you know, whatever. And she traveled for work anyway. So we were like, well, maybe she's going to be stuck in New Zealand whether she wants to be or not. So can't really think of much. But of course, we were being a little bit less practical um, than many of our um, upstanding citizen blog readers <laughs> who wrote in with all the things that she should do. So I posted this on my blog, lauravandercam.com. And one of our uh, readers gave us a good long list. So, and Sarah loved the list, right? You were like, oh my God. I was so impressed that, I mean, I'm a planner, but when I saw this, I was like, well, clearly 
I did not. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I did a lot of this. <laughs> she like totally blew me out of the water in terms of how much she had thought about all the logistics and all these sort of to-do items that wouldn't have occurred to me. But I thought this might be a helpful list for others. So um, yeah, we'll just read through some of them. Real yeah, quick. we were going to notice note some of them. Okay, so here we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna truncate a little bit. But she mentions she got life insurance because you all actually get cheaper rates pre-pregnancy. She got disability insurance. She looked at her health insurance issues. She got serious about emergency savings. I will actually give a huge shout out to that. I think I mentioned this on the podcast, but it took us so long to have kids. I had been socking away a certain amount every month that by the end, I actually had enough to pay for like the first year of daycare, which was huge because your post-kids expenses are generally going to be a lot higher than your pre-kids. And it helps with the sticker shock to have a little bit of a kind of, number one, you're used to spending less. And number two, you have that money to spend. Okay. So that was good. Back to her list. She continuously had conversations with her husbands about expectations for family life. Also smart, right? Like yes. people have scripts going back. And even if, you know, maybe you think that you're both on the same page, but you've really never discussed it. Like you've, you know, maybe one party assumes that the other party will just want to get up with the kids on weekend mornings automatically or something. Uh, you have to discuss the idea of trading off or like, you know, maybe one party assumes that his or her career should take precedence and the other party does not agree. Uh, but these are conversations that people don't even really think to have, you know, with the, the really nitty gritty of this. So that's, that's great that she's doing that. Agree. Um, she attended an FLMA FMLA training at work um, and to figure out how to use FMLA. Um, of course, this doesn't apply to everyone, depending on the size of the company you work for. Or if in the, um, you're in the U.S. or not. I mean, yes, this is a or if you're in the U.S. Love our international listeners. Um, so don't want to leave them out. Um, she started sketching out her leave plan. She got to the point where her home felt decorated. Well, I still have not. Um, <laughs> That's You don't have to do that before you have kids. <laughs> That's optional. Um, she traveled more, so we did kind of mention that. She identified books she wanted to read about fertility, parenting, and pregnancy and read some of the parenting and pregnancy books her husband kept picking up from free little libraries in the neighborhood. I hope the husband was reading them too. Yeah, although um, I will say on this <laughs> that I I don't I would not necessarily read what to expect when you're expecting uh, while you're expecting. Yeah. There's all these books that focus on all the because they're supposed to be encyclopedic, and so they focus on all these things that can go wrong. That which, could happen. That could and happen. It's really for reference. But yes, for agree. reference. These things do not go wrong in the vast majority of, of pregnancies or births or whatever. So it's it's kind of like – It depends on your personality, yeah, whether that will help I you or hurt you. did not want to read any <laughs> of that stuff, but anyway – um, she worked on her health, so she exercised more. She got regular acupuncture, which, by the way, she loved. Um, she occasionally – this is so smart – perused Craigslist for big-ticket baby items because it's so true. Like if some – wealthy family just had their last kid and they're ditching like, you know, their three bugaboo strollers or whatever, like you might as well, if you have space, which she did, scoop them up while they come out because you never know. Um, and as she said, she could she could sell them at a profit. Like she was only getting the big yes. ticket items that were she new. She wrote, if a kid never happens, I'll sell them for a profit. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, she had more fun with her husband and she does note that she enjoyed planning her weekends to help. So we'll take that as a compliment. She explored hobbies of her own and the kombucha she, brewing um, or however you say that kombucha brewing and ukulele lessons <laughs> that is that is a bit of random that's impressive i mean that's a lot of hobbies that's wow although i would say you could take ukulele lessons after having children too so if that is on True. your list in fact you, your baby might enjoy that 
Like, maybe. <laughs> or your baby's like, stop torturing me. <laughs> so um, she identified childcare places when we did talk about that. She worked on her wills and advanced directives. Also smart. Very smart. smart to do that. Um, she went on an international trip with her mom. I love that because you know what? While you can travel, you might be more likely to travel with your family and that special one-on-one time with your mom might be less likely to happen. So I, I like that. Um, she talked with her in-laws about how frequently they'd be interested in assisting time-wise she considered car options and she researched college saving item, savings items. And finally, she identified some – well, this is similar to the Craigslist, but some big ticket baby items to continue to source more affordably. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> long list. I can't say I did much of that. <laughs> I, I did some of it, not all of it. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to do all of those things. Certainly, people's propensity to plan is going to vary. But that did bring up a lot of things I might not have even thought of. And um, so hopefully this helps yeah, someone so out So the there. life insurance one is probably smart. Um, yes. that and, the savings, and the savings and the FMLA. Yeah, and just to know like what your Craigslist. company policy is. I like is. the Craigslist you're, one a lot you're, too. You're because, a fan of the Craigslist one, yeah. I mean, it depends. Like if you – if you have your heart set on something very specific that's super overpriced, or let's say like you know you want Pottery Barn nursery furniture that's like almost new, but you really don't want to pay the full price, like just look at it once a week because probably you won't find anything, but you also might find something like ridiculous because when people clear out baby stuff, they often are just anxious to get it the hell out of their house. So it it could it could go for very little. Um, so I think depending on who you are, that might be a great thing to do. Yeah. And you can play the ukulele, apparently. <laughs> so. Definitely. All right. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds. Um, we have been talking large families and also things, the more practical list besides going to New Zealand of things to consider before um, getting pregnant. So we'll be back next week on more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 